and it's interesting because like Ray said he didn't grow up with a father in the home it was just him and his mother and his brothers at different points I actually grew up with both my parents in the home and even though we come came from two completely different uh, familial backgrounds yes we both still wanted the same thing wanted to eventually at some point have a family hey y'all i'm jen i'm a daughter a sister an auntie a niece a cousin and a friend and i love pineapples on pizza spending all day in disneyland shopping for bargains on amazon and all things literacy i'm a jesus girl i love people and i love hearing their stories in fact that's what i'm doing here sharing stories with powerful lessons to encourage us empower us to keep moving forward and to remind us that god has our back i can't wait for you to hear these stories why don't you go ahead and join us for a story worth living You know, sometimes we feel like that well-known verse in Romans, you know that verse I'm talking about, the one that speaks about all things working together. I think sometimes we feel like that automatically means just the good things, right? Sometimes it, it somehow makes sense to figure that only good things, only positive things, only the victories... Only the high days, only the joys, only the experiences that activate endorphins, those feel-good hormones, you know, only these types of good things or what we consider good things create the idea of all things working together. However, all things means just that, all things, not just the good things but really a combination between the good things and the not so good things. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can just ask the caterpillar whose body basically turns into a liquid as it journeys through the process of becoming a butterfly. Or just ask the oyster with the irritant under its shell that secretes a substance that basically covers the irritant layers and layers of this substance to counteract the irritation. But through these layers, a beautiful pearl eventually forms. Just ask the sedimentary rock that formed over time through layer on top of layer of substances like sediment and smaller rocks and shells and sand, all forged together by heat and pressure. Just ask the vine-grown tomato that started as a simple blossom and eventually became fruit over time after consuming water, light, and nutrient-rich soil. And just ask that mom who carried her child for nine months while it developed from an incredibly tiny mass of cells to an eight-pound small human. Consider this. Amazing things can come out of a combination of great and not so great circumstances. 
a strong, secure love is not one that hasn't been tried in the fire, but one that has been tried in the fire, dropping off all impurities and retaining the genuine article. Just ask Ray and Shavavian. See, they are our featured storytellers for this episode. They are great examples of the concept of all things working together. See, it's not just about how their love grew, but it's about the personal growth of the two of them in the process who simultaneously grew and are growing in love. Their story is a whole clinic, y'all. I met Ray and Shavavian a few years back and um, immediately observed that there was something about this young couple. Their relationship seemed to rest on this foundation that was not everyone's testimony. And I'm so excited that they've chosen to let us into their lives through the lens of their love story worth living. I know you'll be blessed by it. So I remember uh, the first time I met Shavavian was at the Bell Tower, the notorious Bell Tower at uh, Oakwood uh, College at the time. Uh, it was 2006, um, coming in as freshman. And, you know, everyone was kind of just trying to get to know uh, the class and hanging out. And I was just a kid from Florida at the time, you know, my little flip-flops on, my little earbuds walking around my iPod, you know, drowning out the world. I was actually dating somebody else at the time, um, which is how I ended up in Huntsville. And uh, so it was, you know, just kind of cool. Um, got to know a couple of our classmates that were kind of outgoing, and uh, she was one of them. And uh, we, we started kind of hanging out from time to time. I mean, I think it was more so just like a large group. It was like, what, 15, 20 people in this group, um, you know, and of course there's different levels of commitment and I was kind of one of the fringe people. So we do things together, like go out to the, the rock quarry or I remember one day, one time we, we did s'mores up uh, in the rock quarry. That was pretty dope. And just like different things like that. So freshman year was 2006. Uh, at Oakwood College uh, is when I first met Shavavian. So, yes, uh, I met, we met at the Bell Tower. It, the Bell Tower is like the center of campus at Oakwood. It's literally a bell. <laughs> and uh, it was at night. That's where we, as freshmen, you pretty much had to be on campus at all times. So that's where a lot of us hung out when it was warm. And so Ray came up, I was sitting with my friend at the time and I saw him and I was sitting down. So he looks taller than he probably actually is, but he is still pretty tall. So <laughs> uh, his skin is actually red. So he just stands out wherever he is. And I remember first time meeting him, I was like, oh, he's cute. And then soon came to know that he had a girlfriend, so I just went ahead and let that go. Oh, really? Girl, you shoot your shot. Look at you now, girl. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so for me, I, I don't know. I think for me, I was always kind of 
uh, focus because of my background on what I wanted. And oddly enough, I didn't grow up with my dad. And so um, one of the things I wanted was a family, you know, and one of the things I wanted to do was have a stable family, um, just seeing my mom go through a lot. And so the concept of family, the concept of loyalty, those things were really important to me. Um, so I was talking to someone at the time and, um, you know, I think also thinking that you're a lot more mature than you were at the time, like kind of look back at 18, 19 year old me. It's like, wow, you're such a clown, my guy, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I really thought I had so much together. I had zero, nothing, had nothing at all. But, um, you know, it, it, it was definitely um, just trying to being loyal so the way that I thought about people I love people I always love networking figuring out who people are where they're from what their story is and just meeting people is always something so even if I'm in a relationship um getting to know people better um is something I don't really see male or female um it's not something I really see as a threat because of how I feel about my loyalty to my relationships and so you know, just spending time with people and getting to know them better um, is something that I've always enjoyed uh, doing. And as, uh, you know, our little freshman group started to hang out, I, I realized that Shavane was like real chill. Like she's kind of laid back, um, you know, kind of stays in her own lane type of deal. And we were always cool. And we, we, we were kind of reckless too. Uh, you know, I was at the time uh, what you'd call stupid. And so I was still, I was still suffering from, from uh, teenage stupidity uh, at the time. And now I have full grown adult stupidity, but it, it, the teenage version is a lot worse. Uh, so, man, I remember, do, I, I don't know if you remember this, babe, but, you know, you probably do. But I used to like walk around a Christian campus screaming, you know, Shavavian, MF, uh, Smith. I kid you not. Like that's how yeah. we would greet each other. And she'd be like, Ray, MF, Alistair. And I would be like, Yeah. And so it, it was No, I didn't. You did once, didn't you? I didn't curse until like junior year. But you cursed for me freshman year. That's how that's you not knew. true. That's how you <laughs> not knew it was true. Love. That's how you knew. That's how you knew it was love, right? No. That is not true. <laughs> I feel I feel like it was. I feel like it was. I, I remember no. you. I remember. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree. Uh, but um, no, I just remember having fun with her and, and her just being a cool person. Um, like as we, uh, you know, we talked a couple of times about different things, relationship things. She actually um, talked to a couple of people I knew for a little bit and and so we talked about, you know, just relationships and, and, and different things at different times. And, and so we're just cool. And then um, she actually dated one of my uh, good friends and that didn't really work out between them. And so he, uh, I feel, was like upset about how everything went out. And so, you know, he's my roommate. And so I kind of sided with him. So uh, Shavay and I kind of drifted apart as they drifted apart. Uh, and I think it was about, what, two years? that yeah yeah about two years anytime we saw each other it'd be nothing but love but you know uh it was about two years that we didn't really see each other because we didn't run in the same groups we didn't run in the same circles uh, so right. from uh th the middle of our sophomore year end of sophomore year to about uh the end of her senior year 
um, or after her senior year, actually, we didn't really hang out at all. We saw each other probably like four or five times during that entire interval. Right. And uh, she was always excited. You know, we're always excited to see each other. But um, yeah, uh, and I remember uh, another big part of it was just us both also going through relationships. I'd been in a relationship since my sophomore year in high school. Um, and it was rocky. It was on and off for uh, a, a little bit. And, and then she had gone through uh, some of her relationship issues herself. So, um, you know, after the, the two, three years, we didn't really see each other much. Um, that's when we started hanging out uh, again, but in not the, the greatest of circumstances. Right. So for me, college was the first time that I actually felt attractive. <laughs> it was the first time that I actually had male attention from multiple people. <clears throat> and it's not like Ray and I were talking or anything like that so it wasn't like I went behind his back and dated his roommate or anything like that but I was just talking to different people and I wasn't really serious about any of them we were just hanging out until I decided I didn't want to hang out anymore and then we stopped hanging out (laughs) um with his roommate we were actually dating in an actual relationship and then summer came and it just seemed like the relationship fizzled out over the summer and then when we came back for the fall we just couldn't get on the same page and couldn't pull the relationship back together so we just kind of let it go so i i did end up in a really a long-term relationship after that person and i thought that i was going to marry that person we were in a relationship for most of my junior year and all of my senior year. And then we ended up breaking up towards the end of senior year. And um, it was actually quite messy and not fun at all. Uh, So I was just, you know, living my life, trying to get through college inside of four years and hopefully be married by the time I graduate or be have the prospect of marriage on the horizon by the time I graduated, but it didn't happen like that. And it's interesting because like Ray said, he didn't grow up with a father in the home. It was just him and his mother and his brothers at different points. I actually grew up with both my parents in the home. And even though we come came from two completely different Uh, familial backgrounds, yes, we both still wanted the same thing, wanted to eventually at some point have a family. So you guys were friends um, for a couple of years. How in the world did y'all end up dating? (laughs) So Ray and I were friends. And like he was saying, it wasn't like we were the closest of friends at any given point. But, um, you know, that person that you when you see them, you're excited to see them and it's it's fun and it's a good time. And then you go back to your house. (laughs) So. We ended up together 
actually because we both left bad breakups, bad relationships. We both had bad breakups, left bad relationships. So Ray had been with his that same woman on an on again, off again girlfriend since high school and he had actually come up to Oakwood to continue the relationship and it continued to be kind of on again, off again. In my case, this was a guy that I met. We all met freshman year. I didn't start dating him until like the end of sophomore year, I think, and then continued on into senior year. And that relationship, it was good at first as relationships go. And we just had a difference of opinion on some major life and relationship goals. And we could not get on the same page about them at all. And so it was actually a really heartbreaking relationship. I had thought that I was going to marry this person. I thought that we were going to raise a family together, all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, it came down to he was moving in a direction for his life and he didn't really fit me into that equation among other things. So it just, it didn't work out. Like I said, we both came out of a bad relationship and we kind of just consoled each other. So we were hanging out just as friends and just, trying to get through this (laughs) heartbreaking time for each of us. And it eventually progressed into something more, but that was over, it was over a good deal of time before it ended up turning into an actual relationship. And because of the way it happened, there were a lot of rumors going around about both of us, about the way that we got together, even though there was no reason for any rumors to be going around because we hadn't done anything wrong. Well, I'll say that I'm a private person when it comes to uh, relationships and my personal life. And um, I share a lot with people. Um, but uh, everything is not for everybody. It's something I say all the time. And, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation when it comes down to, you know, what you're doing. And, and for me, uh, I grew up with a mother who uh, taught me how to respect people and how to treat people with, with the uh, levels of dignity. And uh, so for Shavavian, uh, even though I was going through depression, uh, my junior and senior year, I was, I was really going through it. It was just tough emotionally. There were a lot of uh, things that happened that just wore down on me. After a lifetime of struggling, um, it seemed there was just more. <laughs> I was like just in a bad place with uh, just God and, and the idea of uh, God loving me and the idea of people uh, loving and supporting me and and it was really hard. It, it was a tough mental space that junior year and his transitions and all these things happening. And I just, I was, I was really close to just saying I'm over it all. And uh, I had suicidal thoughts, all that. Um, and I remember uh, 
just thinking about my little brother and the impact it would have on him. And that's one of the things that kept me going. And so uh, when I was coming out of that space uh, and I had gone through a surgery that was really uh, debilitating, uh, just like really just wore me down and just need a lot of support. And um, I just remember not feeling any support from my girlfriend at the time. It didn't seem like I was a priority and it was just really tough. And so I remember just uh, that entire outro of our relationship. Uh, she didn't realize it, but I was just over it all. And I had, I just couldn't deal with the distancing anymore, the being on the back burner anymore. Um, it was just the, the, the last straw and a lot of things I was going through. So um, before that final moment, though, Shavabian was going through it. And when I, I, I was cool with the person she was talking to in that we had mutual respect for each other. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that uh, from my freshman year, we, we just kind of clicked. Uh, we'd have deep conversations. We'd, uh, uh, there's only one person that's ever beaten me at Monopoly and it's him and vice versa, you know? So he's a monster. He's a beast. And, uh, we had a lot of mutual respect for each other. Uh, it's just that we saw things differently and I'd actually talked to him about what they were going through the situation. So, uh, was going through it. And I remember just kind of watching her situation and seeing so many people around her talking about her and just kind of watching her like spiral, but it didn't seem like they were helping her. And uh, I was just like, I made up in my mind, I was like, yo, look, you know, um, I'm just gonna help you however I can. She was just in a tough spot. And, you know, at the time we, we, we were drinking um, and I, I, the, the group of people that would badmouth her would come over to my apartment and they'd be drinking. And that's how I even got into the loop. I was like, wait, yo, yo, yo. I, I, I pulled the dude to the side. I was like, yo, man, look, man. Like, don't do this, man. You know, if you're having issues, like, you got to work that out. But putting her out there in the street, dragging her like this and, you know, and all this, like, it's just not, that's not cool, man. That's not, that's not love. Like, you don't, you know, you can't bounce back from this. And I was trying to tell them, like, yo, you got to really think about you know, what you have and, and what it could be and, you know, put in the work, either that or move on. But like bringing a bunch of people into your business and tearing people down, whether or not the relationship is, is going to last or end, that's just not a, that's not, it's not a, a noble thing to do. And so I, I actually did, we, we walked and we talked, it was snowing. It was like January, um, 2010. It was when Huntsville had that, that nice little snowstorm and we were walking around in about a foot of snow. I remember, and I was talking to him about it and just helping him like, you know, like, dude, you really got to think about, you know, your approach here, you know, your attention to me, this, maybe this, but your approach is just not it. And uh, so it was, even in that there was mutual respect and it, just the way that she was being treated. Um, when I realized what was going on, I was like, yo, she just needs a good friend. And that's the angle I came at, uh, gave her space. Um, you know, my roommate was out of town at the time. So she just kicked it with me uh, at our apartment. 
and um, just kind of gave her own space, try to make sure I respect her boundaries, try not to make her feel uncomfortable, try to make not like didn't want her to feel like I wanted anything from her, you know, just wanted to be a good friend and uh, just support somebody that I thought was a cool person. And so other people looked at it like, oh, they she's like, they're really close and, you know, and, and this and that. And I hadn't officially broken up with my girlfriend at the time. Like we, we she was in another state doing her pre-med program and um, she left Huntsville. And people always assumed they knew what was going on in our relationship. And uh, sometimes I was told information that I didn't even know in our relationship. It's just kind of funny when you find out something about your relationship from somebody else. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of assumptions that there was, you know, I'm out here just being another, you know, dirty dude. And for me, it was like, nah, man, it's just being a good person or trying to be a good person, trying to, you know, show love to somebody that needs some love right now. Like it has nothing to do with, you know, anything sexual or anything, you know, you're just chilling. And I, I remember we had an, an event. I'm a pretty social person. So, you know, I like hanging out with my friends and we did something for the Super Bowl, and some people came over and Shavavin was just kind of like kicking it next to me. And I remember somebody like turned to someone else and was whispering. I turned to Shavavin and I was like, yeah, let me tell you, like, you know, they, they think that we're together and they think stuff's going on. And, and I told her from that point that it's probably going to get crazy. And uh, it kind of did. <laughs> it kind of did. So uh, I just like I was actually encouraging Shababian to reconsider uh, working her relationship out with Odu. Uh, she came to the my apartment crying one day and my girlfriend was actually there. And, uh, and Shababian was crying. Now for me, I'm, I'm just like, I didn't do anything wrong. So I'm not, you know. Not tripping, and I remember um, Shavavian comes and she asks, "It's right here," and girlfriend's like, "Yeah." So we go to the back, and she was just telling me, you know, what her Shavavian was telling me what her ex, you know, was um, uh, proposing, and I was like, "Well, yeah, you know, you guys work it out. If, you know, you feel like you could deal with the issues, then you know, I know you have a lot, a lot of love for each other. Try to work it out, you know." And so that's what the conversation was about. But I, I know from that moment that kind of sat ill with my ex and uh, because of the things that people were saying, I guess she thought it was something more, um, which actually was kind of offensive to me because you know I, I, I committed so much. Um, I sacrificed so much. Uh, I was all in, you know, I wanted to marry her. Um, we talked about it uh, several times, and um, you know that's that was a very uh, tough thing for me uh, that she felt like I would do something like that to her. That was kind of tough. We just continued to hang out as each of our respective relationships continued to fizzle out. <laughs> so. I ended up completely breaking up with that guy and I had actually been living with him and every night he would just leave, but it was his apartment. 
So I was like, okay, well, I have to go. <laughs> so I didn't have a job. I didn't really have anywhere to go. So I ended up staying with my sister and her roommate for a little while. Her roommate was actually a girl I had been best friends with in college. And then that relationship also <laughs> fizzled out as we were just going two completely different directions in our lives. And that happens in friendships as well. And I didn't, I don't think that I realized that until that moment and really didn't realize the magnitude of, of that until later, a few years later. So I was staying with them, but it wasn't really a permanent situation because I was sleeping in bed with my sister because <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to go. So the person that actually helped me, all of the people that helped me were not people that I was consistently hanging out with. All of the people that helped me were not the people that I would have expected to help me. And so, yes, and I were cool, but up until that point, it's not like we were super close. And yet he decided he was going to help me. The other person who helped me, we weren't really even cool. He was cool with my sister. And he was like, we went to the store one day and he was like, if you need some place to stay, you can you can come and be roommate, me and my other roommate. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> so that's what happened. And when I, it was two other guys and I had a room to myself and was paying rent and all of that good stuff. And so that, that point in my life, it was really low. Just like I said, all the people that I had been hanging out with, I thought we were friends. None of those people helped me. It was literally people on the outskirts who saw me struggling and decided to step in. When uh, all this kind of came to a head, um, we'd kind of gotten to the place where we were just like, you know, bump everybody, but in a more profane way. Uh, it was a more profane time. Did not love the Lord yet at the level that we do now um and so you know we we just got to the place where we were tired of relationships uh we were just like oh let's just chill man let's just kick it forget relationships let's just have fun we're both messed up <laughs> you know we even though we didn't really talk about it in that way i remember uh, just talking to tears some situations uh try to help Shavaming, get through some of her feelings, um, sharing with her some of my feelings. And then we just kind of respected each other's space in, in a way. Um, and we were just like, okay, let's forget the feelings. Let's just hang out. It should be cool. And so our relationship was just, just us just having a good time together, us just hanging out. It wasn't anything serious. Um, we hooked up a couple times and I think uh, she was, you know, talking to some other people and it was nothing serious. We, we were just kind of hanging out. Uh, and that was in 2011, uh, the end of 2010, 
going into 2011, we were just hanging out. And uh, some some of my uh, really good friends were in Nashville, I remember? <laughs> One of my best friends uh, was up in Nashville uh, in med school. And uh, we would drive up there to see, you know, the, my, my, my crew. And so we'd drive up to Nashville and kind of just hang out together, party together. And Shavavian would come along with me and my roommates and sometimes we'd go up just two of us and one of our other friends actually the the guy that was uh helping her out the guy that offered Shavavian uh a place to stay his girlfriend would come hang out with us <laughs> so we, we were a little, little running crew um that was just uh you know developed I mean that time period and so we'd we were spending a good bit of time together uh you know I was trying to finish up school and try to figure out what I wanted to do and Shavavian just started working and was trying to figure out you know what life looked like you know after this relationship and trying to get out of depression and uh, we were just trying to help each other uh, I think just get into an ideal place and it wasn't until uh, probably <laughs> her mom came down here that things kind of got a little bit more intense. Um, after her mom came down here, uh, we had been talking, but it hadn't been official. Uh, and so we were just hanging out and her mom came down and uh, I hadn't been going to church for about two years. Um, I was just kind of Kind of hanging out. I barbecue like almost every other Saturday. I'll just be like at the crib playing Call of Duty, barbecuing, just hanging out with the boys. We go and buy drinks and just have like Heineken's and barbecue like every other Saturday, at least once a month. I mean, sun, you know, rain, snow, we we just be kicking it. And, you know, so I, I'd gotten to the place where, uh, you know, I grew up in the church and uh, grew up just, um, having a lot of love for God and kind of watching my mom, she poured that love of God into me. Um, but I got to the place where I seen her go through so much and I'd been through so much myself. I was like, God, I just didn't feel like God loved me. I didn't feel like he was fair. So I just hit the point where I was just over it all. I was tired and I just didn't want to be involved in anything. I was just doing my own thing. And when Shabayman's mom came down here, through a series of events. Uh, one of the events, actually, we'd gone partying in Nashville and went out clubbing. We, we went club hopping a little bit and uh, we went to this one place and uh, it was it was pretty cool. We had a lot of fun, uh, had a couple of drinks early in the night and then we planned on driving back to Huntsville and it was uh, Shravian, um, uh her roommate's girlfriend and myself, we drove up, three of us, and on the way back down, uh, we actually stopped at White Castle because uh, uh, her roommates were partaking in some of the herbs uh, and they wanted us to stop and pick up uh, some White Castle. So uh, we're in this White Castle line for an hour. She even gets out. She's brushing her teeth. That's why I realized she did not play about her her oral hygiene <laughs> that day. I was like, yo, this chick has a, she has a toothbrush on deck. We're in a line. We just came from a club. She's brushing her teeth on the side of the road. Like, yo, this is real. And so we ended up staying in the line 
about an hour, uh, which threw off all my calculations. Uh, you know, anytime I'm doing something, the more close it is, the more calculated it is. So my calculations were all the way off. And uh, by the time we left Nashville, uh, we'd actually got up with some other friends that were in another car. They'd pretty much gotten back to Huntsville by the time we left Nashville. And so we get on, we get on 65 and we're driving and it's, I'm tired and drinking. It's, everything's starting to hit now. And about 20 minutes in, Shavavian's sleeping, friend in the back is sleeping. And uh, I fall asleep behind the wheel. Uh, and we're just on cruise control. So I fall asleep um, on cruise control doing like 80 on 65. And there was like all this construction at the time that was going on, trucks on the side of the road. It's like 2.30 in the morning. And so I don't remember how long I was asleep. I just remember like waking up to the sound of like, and I was like on going off the road and I woke up, I was, I was shook. Like I was shook and kind of snapped out of it. I woke Shavavian up and was like, hey, I just fell asleep. Um, I may need you to drive and I'll you know, go back to sleep. I'm gonna try to make it to exit one to Ardmore and then I, I can't, I know I won't be able to go on. So, I mean, I was just like, yo, Lord, please help me get to exit one and uh, it was such a struggle. I'm trying to do everything I can to stay awake, make it to exit one, um, pull over at that little rinky dink, uh, the, the, the one place you know you never want to stop, we stopped there. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that country gas station that looks like they don't want you to stop there, <laughs> I don't want to stop there either. So we stopped there and <laughs> we switched real quick. And the irony of it is the moment we switch, I can't go to sleep. And Shavavian's driving and I'm just thinking about what just happened. And I remember when I was like eight or nine years old, we were in the Sabbath school class and one of the lessons was about drinking and driving. And it's like God just brought it back to me. Uh, I remember being eight or nine years old, little self-righteous kid. And I remember saying like, Drinking and driving, that's stupid. Who would do that? You know, that's so dumb. And it was like a low point for me because I realized that I had slipped so far and I did not even realize it. And I could have easily killed, you know, Shavavian, our friend in the back. It would have been a whole story. Like, you know, we could all die because of my brokenness because of my, you know, lack. And that just hit me different. And from that point, then her mom came down and she was like, you know, you guys are going to church with me. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll do it for the moms. And we actually went to first church when it was small Springfield. And it was my first time there. I'd never been there before. And uh, we went and sat down I don't even remember Pastor Snell was there and he was speaking. I don't even remember what he talked about, but I just remember like, there's just like this draw, like, yo, you gotta, you gotta come back to me, right? And there was just this pull. And it's crazy because even though Shavavian and I had both grown up in the church, 
I don't think either one of us, we've taken different paths, but neither one of us was in a good spiritual place. Um, I think for her, I don't want to say, but I felt like from my perspective, I felt like even though she'd grown up around the church, she didn't feel like she had a relationship with God. Mine, for me, it was like, I felt like I did have a relationship with God. I just felt like he let me down. So I didn't want to have one anymore, you know? And so even though we come to this place from different uh, uh, routes, we kind of arrived at the same place together, which was crazy. And it was like, God was just like lining this thing up for us to just start this journey together. And when we both realized our need to grow uh, spiritually, that's when we actually started kind of growing together. And it was a culmination of things. I remember uh, I went to Florida for a wedding. So Shavavian, Shavavian kind of had game. So she, she ought to act like she did it. But I remember she's, she's kind of ice cold. I saw her shoot, shoot down like a good bit of people. She said a couple of L's. <laughs> I remember we had this little get together. We had a little, little, you know, a little, little powwow at the, at the house, and uh, some guys came through, and uh, her cousin came from California, and so her, you know, these two guys were trying to, you know, talk to Shavavin and her cousin, and uh, she shot some smooth L's. She shot, shot some smooth L's. And I was like, okay, and she was like, yeah, she didn't like talking to people on the phone. Uh, and she swore by it. She swore by it. She did not like talking to people on the phone. I don't talk to people on the phone. I was like, all right. Well, we were hanging out. I went to Florida to um, my cousin's wedding. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, my phone rings. So I'm like, Shavavia. <laughs> is calling me? What? And uh, that was like June of 2011, you know? And and so, you know, we ended up talking on the phone a little bit. And she's like, I miss you. I was like, oh. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I see you, I see you. And um, that's why I kind of figured that, okay, we were catching feelings. But I was tripping because I talked to the same person for so long. My ex was in Florida at the same time. And, um, you know, Shavave, I, I kind of like cut my ex off without really talking to her about it because she'd done some things I thought were like sideways and just straight up foul. Uh, from my perspective, like she'd come down, we'd hang out together. And then she went back where she was and I text her. She never responded. She didn't respond for almost two months. I text her, I called her. And I was like, I'm not going to keep chasing you. Like, you don't want to talk to me. That's fine. I just, I'm just going to move on with my life. And then she hit me up like, hey, um, should I come here or whatever? I was like, you do whatever you want. I was real short because in my mind, it was over. I just, I couldn't emotionally detach anymore. Like that was the last attachment. So I was just over it. And I remember just being in Florida. She was there. Uh, she's actually really good friends with my sister-in-law to this day. Um, and she would come over, you know, to my mom's house all the time. And so I'm like, yo, am I tripping? You know, am I bugging? Am I handling this the wrong way? Am I being irresponsible? Um, you know, am I throwing away this relationship that I've had for six years, you know, because my feelings are hurt. So uh, I told her, I was like, well, I need to talk to you about some stuff. Um, you know, you know, uh, there's some things I have to tell you. So Shaven and I, we, we, we were, we, we were, we were, we were friends with benefits for a little bit. And, uh, it was after, you know, a certain point and, 
I, I I told my ex, I was like, hey, look, I didn't have to tell them anything. I didn't feel any obligation. But I told her that I feel like maybe I just shared how I was feeling. I told her I was hurt. I told her that, you know, I, I felt like she just, you know, abandoned me, didn't really think about me. And so I, I told her everything. I told her everything that happened between me and Shabavian. I told her everything. And her response was like crazy. Like, like she, she jumped on me like, so how can you do this? How? And I was like, dude, what are, you, what are you on right now? What do you mean? How can I do this? Like, I just didn't understand where she was coming from and how she felt the way she did. But her response actually made me realize it was time for me to move on. Um, I don't, I, at the time, I did not get to see my family very often because we just didn't have the means. So um, when I did get to see my family, it was something that I always uh, cherished. And this happened, the conversation I had with my ex was about a week before I left. And she came over almost every single day after that moment to spite me. And she would walk past me, say hi to everybody else. And she tried, in my opinion, to ruin my last few days with my family. And I was like, if you don't want to deal with me, if you're hurt, why are you here? You know, why, why, why you, you know, why you, and that was it. I told my sister-in-law and again, my sister-in-law and her really good friends. I told my sister-in-law, I said, I, I realized today like the last day I was in Clearwater, I told her, that's it. I, I can't ever talk to her again. I know now for a fact it's over. That's it. And that was it. That was the last time we spoke um, on that level until Shavave and I were about to get married. And once I got back to Huntsville, uh, that's when Shavave and I, uh, our relationship kind of picked up a little bit. and. Um, you know, we just started kind of growing closer together and uh, just kind of building, building on some things together. So I was really struggling with my perspective was, do I, I, I really wrestled with it for a long time because it was the moral thing for me to do. And so I really wanted to be married. And you know, after college, you just out there <laughs> flapping in the wind in the dating pool. And it's not cute. And I was like, that is not the life for me. <laughs> so I was like, here I have this man who I know is a good man. I know he will take care of me. I know that we would have cute kids. I know that we would have we could build a great family and a future together. But I was still grappling with the feelings that I had from my previous relationship. And so I was trying to make sure that I did not merge the two together and confuse old relationships, old feelings with new feelings for this new person and just make sure that Ray was not a rebound and make sure that not only was I taking care of myself, but also taking care of him because you know what's not fair? 
what would not be fair is for me to marry him just so that I could be married and did not have to be in the dating world. That wouldn't be fair to either one of us. So I really wrestled with that for a long time. I knew Ray was a good, a good guy. It, even in my head, I was like, I could grow to love him <laughs> the way that he needs to be loved. Because of course there's that mutual, we're more than friends love. And then there's the actual relationship love. And so I was trying to make sure that I was in the right space emotionally and mentally in order to really take care of him if we were to get married. So that's where I was in my heart. And I wrestled with that for a long time because, like I said, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be unfair to either one of us. So I remember just praying to God one day to just take the old feelings away from me because I, I'm not able to do anything with the with them. And I literally felt a weight lift off my shoulders and the clarity of who Ray, who Ray was and where our relationship was going to go was clear, like right then. So that's where I was. Um, and it was hard. It was, it was hard, but the relationship that we had, I knew, I just knew that we could build something really, really good, really, really strong because we both are willing to work. We're willing to put in the effort that is needed to make the relationship go in the direction that we want it to go. You know, we had a lot of feelings to kind of get through. And it's such a weird space, you know, from a neurological standpoint, we're not 25 yet. So we're working with, you know, uh, everything's not fully connected. You know, we haven't had right. the full frontal lobe development, you know, the mileage sheet thing, it, it's not hitting yet, you know? So we're, we're, we're out here struggling, you know, just to piece things together. Yeah. And of course we both have inadequacies in our family backgrounds. Uh, we both come with uh, baggage. And then we have these relational baggage um, uh, pieces that just came through our college experiences. So there was a lot of baggage that we had to sort through. And it was definitely a divine, I say interference at that point where God was actually helping us to figure out how to sort out the baggage and the growth spiritually spurred on our growth relationally. And for me, God was challenging me to, the Holy Spirit was challenging me to operate in certain ways. And so as I realized that you know, God was just showing me why he had allowed some things to happen. I started kind of growing in understanding uh, of the training he was putting me through. I started seeing why it made sense. I started understanding a little bit more and he was just taking me to a, pay, a place of peace. Uh, and to see Shavavian, Shavavian was growing 
at the same time and her and her mom as well were growing at that time. Um, and I just remember there was a revival at Oakwood and it was past the bird was, uh, you know, doing a revival, Shavavia and her mom, um, we were all going, uh, and she decided to, um, get rebaptized. And, uh, there's also some other stuff that happened before this. So remember that I'm, I'm, you know, look, straight up, we were, we were high key heathens for a little bit. And so we were, we were definitely out there. Um, and part of one of the funny things that happened, it's not funny uh, in the moment, but now it's, and, and Shemaven actually had a friend that, that called us out. She's like, you guys are stupid. So we had, we ended up having a pregnancy scare and uh, we were at a certain location close to a certain CVS and we went to the CVS and uh, I had like the last, I was broke at the time. I had like my last $50 and uh, we went to go get this pill. And there was this black lady uh, who was the pharmacist and she was like, no. And I was like, no, <laughs> can, you, can you say that? She's like, yeah, I don't have to sell it to you. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> so right. it, was, it was like, you know, a whole situation. So we went to another place. But in that experience, um, the funny thing about it was, you know, I told Shavavian, you know, uh, what happened happened. And I told her, you know, I actually could see you being a decent baby mama. Like, even if we didn't like get married, it'd be cool to have a kid with. <laughs> she, she had the same response. Right. Because we, we both felt like we wouldn't be about the drama. We wouldn't be about the foolishness or the pettiness, like just whatever was necessary to just make sure that our kid is okay. I think we both realized we'd be committed. And that was really interesting for me because like, I take pride in kind of like knowing people and figuring people out and kind of uh, knowing what I can expect. And to know that I can count on her not to bring the drama, um, that was actually a very comforting feeling. And just the thought of like, you know, even in the worst situation, it wouldn't be a terrible situation. That was really uh, something I thought was pretty awesome. And even in our like brokenness and just our foolishness, God was still revealing some things to us, uh, which is now, you know, I mentor a lot of young people. And one of the things I tell them a lot is that sometimes you feel like you have to have it all together before you come to God, but God can show you what you don't have together and how he can help you bring it together. And I feel like that's what we were going through um, at the time. Uh, we were really trying to uh, figure out how to bring it together. Yeah, so you know, we we made mistakes, and we're growing you know, closer uh, uh, together, and but we're still kind of just not living a hundred percent correctly. And <sighs> Shavavian is uh, we were living together at the time. 
Um, so my roommates um, and I, we, at the same time, Shavavian's lease was up. Um, my lease with my roommates were up, or was up, and uh, we decided to kind of, you know, do something different. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do, uh, but Shavavian's parents actually recently gotten through a divorce. And I, I remember that was tough. Um, that, that was really tough uh, for her. Uh, I remember her just like sitting in bed at her apartment and just crying. Um, and it just hit her so hard. And uh, I remember just kind of like trying to encourage her. And uh, there had to be a couple sit downs and meetings that, you know, we had to go to family meetings. I had to kind of pick her up and um, she did not want to go. And I was like, yeah, it's very important that you go <laughs> and just try to like, you know, help her, um, I guess, pull it together to figure out what's going on. But she was crushed. So this is like uh, this is like a perfect score storm was just like all the the foolishness and the hurt and the pain. And it was just like it was hard. But all the while we were just realizing how much we just need that spiritual component. And so, you know, God is like just pulling on us and pulling on us at this point in so many ways, so many situations, just pulling on us. And uh, then we moved into her parents' home. Her mom, you know, left and, and, and so did her dad. And, and so the house was empty. We were coming over here to like laundry uh, for the low. And <laughs> so, you know, we were over here one day and, and I, just, I was like, hey, babe, like, if no one's going to be here, why don't we move in? You know, and she was like, oh, yeah, I'll talk to my mom and talk to moms about it. And she agreed. And, and so we moved in here and we were like living here, dating, um, you know, just kind of doing our thing and, and, and trying to uh, figure some stuff out. And it, it was all just the time period where we were, you know, God was pulling, but we were still struggling. And I remember one day her mom was like, her mom is actually quite blunt when it comes to what's really real. <laughs> so, oh, Tina, she pulled me to the side one day and she's like, hey, Ray, can I ask you something? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And she's like, um, do you know you're sleeping with my daughter? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, Mary. I was like, oh. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, when Peter Griffin, you know, when he falls and like he's just on the, the sidewalk, it was like, oh, just one of those moments. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. No, <laughs> no. what do you say? What do you say in that moment? Like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> and but that was one component and then we were running the paper route and we were doing all the little hustles at the time and uh so we were running the paper route baby's car uh, side note i i had like so little at the time i was so broke oh my gosh it was it was rough and 
so I was I was trying to figure out how I can make some things happen. And so we're running this paper route and we're having to do this uh, work on her car regularly. I'm like changing the oil and doing brakes and all this paper out. It's just, you know, very stressful on a vehicle. And we're doing, I was doing some work uh, on her car and it was a Saturday. We were supposed to be at church, but I had to uh, try to get some stuff together for that night. So I was working on the car on Saturday and uh, this truck pulls up and it's like a tow truck and this guy's like hey uh, do you need some help and i have the car up on jack stands you know lifted off the ground and i'm like that's random no i'm good <laughs> like you know stranger danger right so he's like okay okay and he's like can i ask you something man and i was like he's like how come you didn't pay your uh your car note and i was like what are you talking about you know so you know just in in the way that things happened um through the divorce and just everything being up in the air and all the hurt and pain and in the relationship uh some things slipped through the crack and so we we uh end up having shaving's car repoed that day and uh, then we were scrambling to figure out what's going on, and um, then we were. My able parents to... had been paying the car note for me because they given to given it to me in college, and then when they got divorced, like he, like Ray said, things slipped through the cracks, and my car <laughs> was one of those things. Neither one of my parents had been paying on it, so this guy literally pulls up randomly to take the car and i was like what <laughs> what is happening right now and yeah go ahead ray so we are scrambling now to figure out what's going on and shavivian goes back and i go inside to get her and bring her out and tell what's going on so as she's making phone calls i'm standing in the driveway with this guy and so I'm starting to like put the wheels back on and, and get everything ready to be towed, you know, and he, he's, he, he starts this awkward conversation at first. It seems very awkward. So he's like, like, you know, when someone wants to talk about something, but they don't know how to talk about it. So he hit, he hits me with uh, like, Oh, so uh, is that your sister? And I was like, no, that's my girlfriend. And he was like, okay, okay. And, you know, like a little time passes. It's like 20 seconds. He's like, so uh, y'all live here together? I was like, yeah, yeah, we live together. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. He's like, can I tell you something, man? <laughs> I'm like, dude, okay, yes. What do you want to tell me? He's like, you know, this man, uh, you know, he literally just pours into me in that moment. And he shared part of his testimony with me. And he was like, look, man, like, um, if that's your girlfriend um, and you guys are living together, uh, I just want to tell you that I did that when I was about to be married or when I was thinking about getting married, I, you know, decided that I try it before I buy it, you know, and I wanted my girlfriend to live with me for a year to see you know how it'd be and you know during that year she was on birth control and he was like you know because of my lack of commitment um 
a lot of what she went through so that we wouldn't end up in a situation we didn't want. A lot of that ended up messing up her body. And he said that after they got married, she had a lot of issues that he feels like, you know, stem from his lack of commitment and him not stepping up and, and doing what he should have done. And so he's like, you know, he was, it was emotional. He was like, you know, my wife suffers because I wasn't man enough to step up and commit. And he's like, I don't want, you know, I tell you this because I, I don't want you to do the same thing. Like you, you got to make a decision. If you want to be with someone, choose to be with that person. If you don't, you don't. But, you know, don't just be living here in sin, you know, and putting her through stuff and messing up her body, you know, and, and putting her through a, when it just because you don't want to commit. And that's you know, hit different, you know, for me, because like for me, you know, people I love suffering is just, I can't deal. Like, I, I always try to make sure the people I care about are okay. And that just gave me a perspective like, yo, dude, you, you kind of tripping. And so uh, from there, I, you know, decided that, you uh, if we're going to do this, we got to do this the right way. And uh, I think that's when it kind of turned into a courtship uh, for real. And, you know, what Shavavian's mom had talked to me about, plus what um, black dude number 22 from Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner, what well, he told me, you know, uh, that that hit too. And <laughs> so we ended up having a conversation. Um, I told Shavavian I need to talk to her. And uh, about just us being like celibate, uh, us, you know, trying to do things differently, you know, and uh, it did not go over well, did it, babe? No, it did not, because (laughs) I thought that you were just taking my side. So Ray and my mom had a conversation about it without me, and then he comes to me with this proposal i'm just like why are you listening to my mom (laughs) what does she have to do with anything so kind of once he explained his thought process and the direction that he was trying to take the relationship then i was like i guess (laughs) 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 but eventually i mean and I guess that's the good thing about Ray. He's not pushy, so he does stand firm on the things that he believes in. And so when my mom kind of talked to him and and the um, repo guy, just like all of the things coming together, all of the information coming together so he can make a better decision and then present it to me, then it was like, okay, I know that Ray is not coming at me with foolishness. Let me actually listen to what he's saying and take it into consideration and go from there instead of feeling like he's just listening to my mom and why is she involved in our relationship like that (laughs) moving into the deeper parts of relationship going through counseling uh a funny anecdote about the counseling piece we did our counseling with pastor snell and uh, when we went to go sign up uh, for the counseling, we had to fill out a form, and our dresses were the same on the form. So the secretary was looking at us like, "Huh, <laughs> okay." And 
<laughs> and uh, uh, you know, we we were in a position. Well, I was in a position where I didn't really have another option uh, on where, or not one I could see on where I could be at the time. So uh, we were staying in a three bedroom house. So you know, one of the first things the pastor said was like, you know, um, are you guys going to keep living together? And I was like, hey, I really don't have anywhere else to go, but we can be in different rooms. Um, so I moved out of the room we were sharing and we were staying in, in separate rooms um, during this time. And for about six six months, um, we we went through just that courtship process, six or eight months, we went through the courtship process and started making plans to get married and um, so many details in between, but, um, and we just were young um, and uh, unprepared. Uh, I don't think we were prepared for the, the, the amount of emotional stress that would come with um, trying to fix well, God working to fix us. It's just like, you know, you have analogies of the process of smelting, uh, smelting metal and, you know, working with these, um, these metals that have impurities and, and just that refiner's fire situation where you have to hit these things with such high heat because the things that are worthwhile will last, but the impurities will not, you know? And so that's what it felt like. It was, it was, it, it, I didn't understand it at the time. I don't think we understood at the time. It was a lot of frustration, but uh, I think we're both strong minded people. Um, we're both emotional people and we both had ways in which we, we like to approach things. So there was a lot of friction. Um, there was a lot of headbutting. There was a lot of trying to get on the same page and learning to get on the same page. Uh, you know, as we were growing into that space of marriage, and then after we got married, um, you know, it was a whole nother ball game of struggles that came with that. So there, it was, uh, you know, just a, uh, again, it's a very uh, stressful. Uh, transitional period uh, when we first got married. Uh, I know that God was definitely uh, behind it and pushing us as the Holy Spirit told me like, when should David was getting baptized at um, at uh, Oakwood. Um, I was actually writing a letter to my ex at the time. The Holy Spirit impressed me to clean up my mess. He was like, you know, uh, God has told me uh, two things that have concerned my relationship directly. And it was in uh, cleaning up my uh, my former relationship and in writing a message to uh, my ex to and I asked Shavavian, I told her, I was like, look, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit has impressed me to do. Um, are you okay with this? And she said, yeah. And so I wrote a letter just sharing um, how I came to the decisions that I made and how I really felt. Um, and I sent it to her and I apologized to her. Uh, for not being man enough to um, be uh, the spiritual leader, for not um, being able to provide her what she needed at the time. And it was an apology and also a, just sharing, um, you know, 
uh, how I felt. And as I was writing that, and Shavane was sitting on the front row, um, and the Holy Spirit was just impressing me. I was literally just typing feverishly on the iPad. And the Holy Spirit was just like, you know, I saw Shavane when she stood up to get baptized. The Holy Spirit said, that's your wife. You know, that's your wife. That's the one. And, you know, don't mess it up. It's the only one you're going to have. And I was just like, whoa, that's crazy. And so I, I knew that God had brought us together. Um, but it was not easy uh, when we started. So we both had so much um, just residual pain from all the things that happened throughout our entire life, all the struggles that we had through everything. And now we have this union that has also connected all of these different poles and all these different pains. And trying to navigate that when you're also struggling financially, when, you know, you, uh, you know, are having issues connecting um, because of prior relationships, like all these things, uh, it just, it just, it wasn't what you would expect. Um, and I think we were, uh, it, it felt like almost blindsided. I, I feel like Shavavian in particular felt like she was blindsided by how difficult everything would be as we were trying to get closer together. I don't feel like I was blindsided. I definitely feel like we had to go through a lot <laughs> to be together. And then after we got married, had to go through some more stuff. And so the beginning of our marriage was really difficult. I We were both running a paper route and I woke up one day and I was like, I can't do this, not one more day. And <laughs> I asked Ray if I could quit because that was the paper route at that moment was our only income. I asked Ray if I could quit. He said, yes. I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and uh, I looked for another job. I looked for another job off and on for quite a while and just really could not find anything. But Ray picked up the slack. He went out and found a second job and it was really tough for him because he the paper route would run from like 1.30 a.m. to 5 or 6 a.m. And then he would turn around and go to tutor. He was tutoring in Appleton at the time. And so he was literally gone all the time, especially once he started getting hot at Appleton and people started walking in, requesting him and him alone. And so he was working all types of hours. So that part was tough because I hadn't expected, you know, you get married. Before we were married, we were together almost all the time. Because before you're married, you ain't got no responsibilities. <laughs> and so when we got married and all of a sudden we're not together all the time. I'm just like, okay, so what is this? And I actually talked to my mom about it because Ray was coming home so tired and because he was tutoring, he didn't want to talk. And I'm like, I've been here uh, cleaning and <laughs> doing whatever all day, but I've been by, here by myself all day. What do you mean you don't want to talk? <laughs> 
And so my mom really had to break it down because she had been a housewife or she had been a stay-at-home mom with me. My sister and I were little and she really had to help me understand what it was really about. And she's just like, yeah, it see, it feels like he's coming home and giving you the remnants, but he really doesn't have anything left. So this is the part where you have to help take care of him because they are not taking care of him outside <laughs> of the house. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense that I can do. And Ray and I talked about it a few times. We went, we went back and forth about it a few times until we could finally really just get on the same page. And so the first few years of our marriage were really us working out our communication kinks. Um, I can have a tone <laughs> at times, even if everything that I'm saying is in love, if I have a tone about it, then Ray would take it as disrespect. And um, there were things that, sometimes there were things that Ray could be absolutely 100% right about, but the way that he would come at me about it, I'm, I, I can't receive that. <laughs> so, you know, you could be right in the facts all day long, but you came at me you came at me disrespectfully. So I, now we're both mad. <laughs> and so the first few years of our marriage, we're just really working hard to work out our communication kinks. And I would say at this point, seven years in almost, we've got about 95% of those worked out. Things come up from time to time. We disagree about things, but we're really able to get to the point quickly and move forward. Whereas before we would fight and then not speak to each other for a couple of days. And it was always frustrating because I always felt like I had to be the bigger person because I didn't like the silence and Ray can, you know, live his life <laughs> in silence. <laughs> and I was not here for it. So just, trying to figure out how to connect with the other person so that anything that is said, however important it is, however right you may be, it still needs to be said respectfully and it still needs to be said in love. Um, so working through that was really difficult, but we were both committed to working through it. Like, we're married. Neither one of us is going anywhere. So we need to figure it out, <laughs> essentially. I think that in different points of your life, what you need and what you can receive looks different. And so right now, I would say, what has Ray taught me? And being in a relationship with another person and Ray and I enjoy just being around each other. That is a blessing that we have inside of our relationship. We don't really have to have time apart. I know that other couples say that they need time away from their spouse to get themselves together. Ray and I don't really have that for whatever reason. Ray and I can be around each other 24 seven and be perfectly fine. 
And so in that, Ray, in relationships, you have each of the partners calls the other their better half. And there's various reasons for that. And if Ray says that about me, it's for completely different reasons as to why I would say that about him. So in our relationship, Ray is the nice one. (laughs) Ray loves people. Ray is very kind. Ray is willing to extend of himself. Sometimes I believe beyond his own capacity just to make sure that everybody is okay. And while I don't 100% understand it, I do see the benefit and the value of it. So Ray has taught me how to value people and how to value relationships with other people. And so pretty much up until I got married, I was very much not necessarily a loner, but I'm very much so an introvert and okay with being by myself and not really seeing the need to have other people in my space. And because of the way Ray operates, he's like the exact opposite. (laughs) And because he is so willing to pour time, energy, money, if need be, whatever is needed for the situation, because he's willing to pour that into people, people are willing to do whatever if it has Ray Allister's name attached to it. (laughs) And just watching him do that time and again over the years, sometimes even getting up at 2 a.m. to go and help one of his mentees, I didn't get it. I didn't get it for a long time. But eventually I was able to understand because he's putting in all this work on the front end. Now, if Ray needs anything, he's able to, he has like an army of people behind him that would step up if he called. And so he taught me the value of, and you know, it's not, it's not, he's not doing all of this so that people will do that for him. He's doing that genuinely out of the kindness of his own heart and because that's what he has a heart for. But just seeing how people are able to have their lives change, change, um, able to thrive in a new way, able to come to a new understanding because of the time that he is willing to pour into them, that has been invaluable. Because like I said, that's not something that I practiced myself and it's not something that I get or that I understood while I was watching him do it. But kind of seeing how all of his relationships are on this side, it's like, okay, if there was a marker for how I should be in my relationships, in my friendships, in my relationship with my family, all of that. There's a couple of people that I look to for guidance on how to do that. And Ray is one of those people. So just learning how to really 
selflessly pour into people, not because you're looking for anything in return, but really, truly, genuinely because they need the help or that's what just what you feel impressed to do. That's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned in our marriage. For me, like, like you said, David, it, it is the same coin, different side situation. And Shavavian has taught me and, and it has actually tempered me. Um, she has sacrificed as much as I've sacrificed, um, if not more. Um, and I remember <laughs> at the start of our marriage and I'd, you know, be out here and just all types of hours doing all types of, <laughs> you know, work and, you, you know, whether it be, you know, at, at this tutoring center at 9.30 at night and locking up, you know, 9.30 at night, not locking up and, um, on a school night and, and then going to take care of something after and then getting home and, and it's funny because like the later in the night it was uh the more people would say the same thing and, and people would be like oh thank your wife you know tell your wife we said thank you and appreciate her and at first I was like thank my wife like what you talking about like you know share <laughs> you know <laughs> but it it was it, it was something I started understanding and realizing that she shares me with the world. And, you know, she has uh, shared and shared and shared. And she, the person who can make my life the most miserable is Shavavia. And I've not been miserable a day in our relationship because of uh, anything that she has done. And I know I see it, you know, I know that I, I see sometimes other people, you know, you don't know other people's, you know, lives and what they're going through, but I've seen some miserable guys and you can kind of put two and two together and be like, uh-huh, yeah, I see from whence your help does not come, <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> and it, for me, it's been a blessing and it's funny, you know, no shots, sometimes you say no shots and that's how you know the shot coming, but I think there was a time where Shalev and I both kind of just stopped and realized that who, who we are today uh, probably wouldn't have vibed well in our prior relationships, um, just from a, a expectations and a personality standpoint. And, um, you know, one of the things that, and, and, and I, I met this when I said this, one of the things that I wrote in the letter to my ex was that, and actually, no, there was another time where I felt the Holy Spirit and I went to Shavavia first again with this. Okay. So it's always talk to the wife first, but uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to actually encourage the person I was talking to before about a year in, because there was an incident that happened and I swore I'd never talk to her ever again. And um, I told, I told God that I was so close to telling my entire family to cut her off as well, uh, because of something that happened that hurt me beyond compare. I cried, um, actually, uh, like a baby when it happened. And uh, it changed a lot of uh, relationships that were important to me at the time. And it, it closed to shut down a lot of relationships that were really important to me at the time. And it hurt me uh, deeply. But 
uh, I called this person to encourage them. Shavavian, uh, you know, uh, okay, that. Um, and something I told her was, you know, um, the, the person I used to speak to, I told her that, um, you know, I hope that she finds someone better than me um, and that, you know, she will be happy. But I can also say that I don't believe that our personalities would have mel meshed together. Um, for what I love to do, it would have been a very strenuous situation. Um, and so Shavavian has handled it in a way that has actually given me strength when I needed it. And she supported me. She's loved me. She's my biggest uh, uh, cheerleader and, and, and also the person who makes me want to be better the most because I call Shavavian the machine. Uh, she just gets things done. And I have a lot of dreams and a lot of passions and a lot of things that I want to do. And, um, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, uh, just dreaming and procrastination, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that I've, I've struggled with. And Shavavian's just like, no, no, just get it done. Just, you know, just do it. And so she has, she has tempered me. She has inspired me. She's pushed me. She doesn't hold back. Um, just like I said earlier, her mom was a little blunt at times. And when I, when I met her mom, I was like, oh, it all makes sense. <laughs> I understand more about why she may be an issue. I get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they just, they, they're just like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah we doing this no okay i'll figure it out myself okay good bye you know cool and but she just gets it done um so she's really pushed me and challenged me to step my game up and um so i've i've just been blessed by having you know her be selfless and and also her um you know sacrificing and pushing me uh to be great um and i think one of the things that i've I've tried to get her to see, and I think she's, I'm really enjoying seeing her do it now is that, you know, she has the same ability to do these great things. Um, and so to see her uh, just use the gifts that God has given her, it's been really cool um, at this point in our relationship to see that happening. So, um, so we've definitely fed off each other and grown together. And I think we, we both have a lot of respect for the gifts that God has given the other. And we, um, just try to make sure that we um, utilize those gifts to bless each other and to um, to be humble enough to uh, accept where, you know, one is stronger than the other and, you know, that we can learn from each other and grow together. So, um, and that's been a real gift in our relationship. Like when it, when it comes to marriage and uh, just relationships, I think, that there are definitely uh, some points of preference and, and then there's also some principles that you want to stick to. Uh, but I, I'm not a believer in, in like a perfect pair. Uh, I think that it's more about growth mindsets. And, um, you know, if, if someone is willing to grow, then 
there's not much that you can't grow into if you're willing to do the work. And I think too often we're we're looking for not, uh, honestly, man. Like, um, you know, Kanye West had that song, you know, uh, Gold Digger. And you know, when you think about Gold Digger, the first thing you think about is just the female who, you know, uh, you know, who who gets lipo with the money, you know, um, as the line goes. But there's an, the other version, Gold Digger, is where he's like, you know, you stay on and you know, be by a side girl. And when he get on, he, he'll leave you for a white girl, you know? And and I think that there's that side of the gold digger as well, where sometimes people pour into um, and then are abandoned by the people that they've built up. But that concept, that idea of, um, uh, I guess the two sides of it, it's like, you don't always have to find a, a finished product. Um, but you don't always have to do projects. And so it's like, it's, it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, middle ground on everything. Like, you know, you don't have to have extremes. You got to find a balance. Like you don't want to just be out here looking for projects and having hope in things that are dead, but you don't have to be out here searching for perfect, you know, uh, 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 buildings either. And so it's having the wisdom to uh, listen to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and know that it's not necessarily uh, uh, finding the perfect person where everything is always good, but it's, can you grow and this, can this person grow in a way that you're, you're both the best version of yourselves and can you assist each other in that? You know, if you feel like there is that in you from a spiritual point of view, you feel like that's where God is taking you. One of the first things that will happen when you get into a place, into a space where there can be great growth and great good is you're going to have doubts. Um, you know, as I think all, everyone involved in this podcast right now, we're all entrepreneurs and uh, we've all worked for other people. And then we've all struck out to work for ourselves. And I remember the fear and the anxiety and anxiety attack sitting in my office, you know, feeling way over my head, you know? And, and so even though God had great things in plan, the fear of, of things not working almost took me to the place where I didn't want to do it. And when you have the potential for greatness, you're going to also have uh, just an amount of fear because normally you you don't have enough to complete these great things all by yourself and without the 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 blessing of god it's very difficult to have something uh worthwhile if you're trying to put in all your efforts and then you're just looking at god like okay bless it now that i've done all this work you know and god's like well why don't you just do the work i asked you to do and the work i asked you to do is already blessed <laughs> you know so so it's it's in finding someone who is committed to doing the work that God has assigned for you to do so that you can be blessed in the timing that he has for you, not trying to work on anybody else's projects, not trying to work through anybody else's course book. It's not, it's not pathfinders, you know, it's not, everybody doesn't have the same course, but you know, we're not all working on the same page at the same time. It's, it's very much finding God's lane for you. And when you can find someone who's committed to staying in that lane, 
um, and being on that journey with you. Um, you can't let any type of fear uh, distract you from that. Um, so uh, it's, it's a lot of just staying in the lane that God has for you and uh, being aware of the things that he's brought for you to uh, interact with in, in, in the ways that he wants to, you to do that. That was a really good answer. I really like what you said about you don't have to look for perfection, but you don't need to be, <laughs> you don't have to settle for a project either. And to piggyback off of that, I would say don't settle because marriage is a lot of work. It, it, you have, and like everything in life, everything that you want to be good, all good things, you have to maintain them. You have to keep them up in order for them to keep working at their best capacity. And if you settle, whether it's out of desperation or just whatever the circumstances may be, you're going to make something that's already difficult because you're literally living your life with a whole other human being and making major life decisions with this person. If you settle and this person is not willing to work with you, is not willing to grow, is not willing to come to a compromise on something sometimes, it's not going to go very far. And so while you may be single and ready for marriage now by settling you were better off and probably happier being single <laughs> you don't want to rush into something that is supposed to be a lifelong commitment and you end up with a lifelong uh, misery you don't want to allow someone that space, that vulnerability, that intimacy in your life, and then it ends up just causing heartbreak and sadness. And of course, no one can predict the future. You don't know what is going to happen inside of a relationship, but a lot of times there are red flags. And a lot of times, most people have somebody that is going to say something. For me, that person was my mother. If my mother did not like race, she would have told me to my face. <laughs> but there was actually one point in our relationship, we, I had actually broken up with him the day before Valentine's Day. I didn't want uh, to bring it the up. Year the, the year before we got married, because yeah. I wasn't sure yeah. if I wanted to continue to be together. And I broke up with the, with him the day before Valentine's Day because I didn't want him to feel obligated to do anything for me. So yeah. I went <laughs> to my mom's house <laughs> and told my mom. And she was like, go get him back. <laughs> she was like, you did what? You don't need to break up with him. Go get him back. And I was looking at her like, really? And she was like, yes, I'm dead serious. <laughs> And so I thought about it and I was like, I mean, she's probably right. So, you know, Ray and I had a conversation about it and I let him know where I was and what headspace I was in. And Ray was gracious enough to understand and give me the space I needed for my emotions, my feelings at that time. But 
listen to the people around you. Most of the times people don't dislike people for no reason. There's a reason. He's a douchebag. She's a jerk. <laughs> like <laughs> They're not your friends. If they are for you, are not trying to hurt you. And a lot of times when we're in a relationship and we're in love with that person and all we can see is the good things, then we feel like those around us may be trying to split y'all up for no reason. But it's because we can only see the good things because we're so close and we're so in love and things are so good and everybody's happy. But when the curtain comes back or when after the marriage license is signed and all the excitement has died down and you really get to see that person for who the, that person for who they are because you can't keep up the facade forever, you you don't want that heartache. So I would just say, don't settle. Don't just give in because this person is here. Really dig deep and recognize that this is a lifelong commitment. And divorce is not fun for anybody involved, whether you have kids or not. One of the things I got interested in, just from an instructional standpoint, uh, a few years back, was just kind of, you know, the learning how how learning works and um just getting more involved in that has uh, brought a couple things to my attention and one of the courses i share with my students is i believe on coursera it's one of the coursera courses and it's uh learning how to learn and it it breaks down uh you know two primary ways uh two fundamental ways uh the brain, you know, processes things that talks about the focus, uh, the focus mode of thinking and the diffuse mode of thinking. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you're, when you're focused, uh, normally you're locked in, you're able to think your way through, um, uh, very precise problems, but it's not the best way to interact with new information. So that you don't allow things to travel far enough and you don't make as many connections. It's more of a fine tuned process. Uh, when you have gone through something enough to um, have a pathway and, and to kind of work your way through it. And in the diffused mode, the idea of it is the big picture thinking, being able to step away from something and, and kind of analyze it from a distance. I think, you know, in most relationships, uh, when you get close to someone, you, you kind of switch the focus, uh, the focus mode. And it's something my mom taught me, something our pastor told us about in, um, in counseling and these two things have always stood out for me um mom always said hey step away and, and pay attention to how people interact with those uh who they're closest to and i know that's something that you hear like how does he treat his mom how does he treat uh his um you know his his dad and, and all that but also you know told a group of young ladies recently i was like okay but you also have to pay attention how he works does he do things without being asked when he sees a need? You know, does he like you have to pay attention to how people handle situations when Absolutely. they don't believe they're being watched, you know? Yep. And I think that's so critical because, you know, you can tell a lot about someone's character, but what they choose to do when they don't believe they're being watched, you know, that integrity factor or you know, what really bothers them? How, 
how much does it take for them to be irritated and what types of things irritate them? Like you have to, you pretty much do a detective work and it's important to not um, be offensive when doing it, but it's important not to blow past this by the signals and those flags. Cause it's easy to do to, you know, uh, Fox explain everything away, you know, and you don't want to necessarily um, do that when it comes to something that could be so big in your life. So you want to make sure that when it comes to uh, your relationships, that you can step away from it all and analyze and make sure your analysis is based on what's truth, not just what's, you know, feeling, you know. And I think when you can stop, like one of the reasons, you know, earlier we talked about, uh, Shavate and I, we had a pregnancy scare. And, um, and the thing that, uh, the, the, the interactions we'd had before and just her attitudes towards certain things, when it was like, she didn't know that I was paying attention to how she would respond. So it wasn't fake. Just some of the things that she said and some of her reactions to things people were doing I was like, oh yeah, she could never do that. It would make her sick, you know? And so I was, I was really building up a profile on, you know, what made her tick and how comfortable I would be in any situation with her. And that wasn't something that I necessarily was like, I, I took out my checklist and I checked everything off, but that's something that you can take comfort in, you know, and be like, okay, I kind of see that this part of her personality uh, is beautiful in this way. And, and that's a very important thing to me. So, you know, you have to pay attention to the little things um, to make sure that they're adding up to the big things that you, you definitely need. I'm so looking forward to sharing more stories with you, to connect with you, challenge you and energize you. Stories create environments where we can learn valuable insights from each other's experiences. They represent our collective pain, joy, fear, faith, best days and worst days. They unite us, teach us, challenge us, delight us, and enable us to convey messages of hope in a complicated world. There's something to learn from someone else's story. They are countless lessons of faith hope, and love. So why not take some time to consider your own story, then join us again for another story worth living.